koinonia, a place of encounter with the Holy Spirit, and transformation by the principles of God's kingdom.
God. He's done much more than we can thank Him for. All for a million pounds, there will not be enough. There is nothing we can give in next for the great and mighty things He has done for us.
mighty shout of praise. Shout of joy. Shout of joy and victory. Resounds in the tents of the righteous of the Lord. He said, The Lord's right hand do work valiantly. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things for us. Whereof we are glad. Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Such a privilege to be here. Apostle is in Mubi, Adamawa State, blessing the people of God. Can we shout, Apostle, we love you? You know, I'm personally full of joy, very grateful to Apostle for his investment in my life. I sit down again and again to take stock. I look at my life year by year and I can trace where these things come from. I'm not confused about it. And I know that I'm not the only person with this kind of testimony. Yes, it is God, but he used the man. Thank you very much, Apostle, for your investment in my life and in the life of millions. Some that have never seen your face, you laid down your life, literally, to ensure that we become all that God wants us to be. And it's a thing of joy and a great privilege for me to stand here tonight and be a blessing to God's precious people. Please help me celebrate Pastor Jimmy and his dear wife. Celebrate someone sitting close to you as you take your seat for a moment. Hallelujah. I want your heart to be open tonight because what you are about to hear may be the only ingredient remaining, the explanation for the distance and the gap between you where you are currently and the grace, the results that you so much desire. I believe with all my heart that if you get the things that God is bringing your way tonight, your life will change like day and night. These things are not cunningly devised fables. We didn't create them. We discovered them. He said, stand in the way and ask for the old part, which is the good part. He didn't say create one. He said, ask for the old part. You're not the first walking this road. So find out, those who walked this road, how did they do it? So week in, week out, our Father, by the mercy of God, by the election of grace, brings us these mysteries that can help us to fellowship with the mystery, as Paul will say. And I believe tonight that God is bringing something very powerful our way. I've been instructed by our Father to teach on partakers of the grace. Amen. So I'll be teaching on partakers of the grace. 
In one minute, can you just pray, Lord, open my understanding. Give me understanding. Where you are seated, ask God. Bible says, and he opened their understanding to understand scriptures. He opened their understanding. Lord, open our understanding tonight. In Jesus' name. Partakers of the grace. Apostle has defined grace in this place as any and everything or any and every reality that is made available only by God through Christ. He expanded the meaning of grace beyond just unmerited access or divine enablement, ability enabled by the Spirit to perform something. That is what we have always known over time. Yes, this is an aspect of grace, but that is limiting what grace actually is. In summary, he said, grace is every good and perfect gift that comes from above. And then the interesting part of this definition is that it is a reality that can be made possible only by God, but can only be accessible in Christ. So it becomes grace, number one, because of the only the person who has the monopoly of the ability to make it happen. And that the means of receiving this thing has been streamlined to just one person, the Christ. Amen. So grace comes from God, but reaches us through Christ. And then he has also taught us in this place that in order for us to access the realities that are available to every one of us, there are great and mighty promises, things that pertain to life, things that pertain to godliness, that have been made available to us. Apostle teaches us that there are four levels of encounters that everybody must pass through before these things can become our experiential realities. And then the number one encounter he teaches us is an encounter with Jesus, the son of the living God. It begins from there. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 24. He said, Being freely justified by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Freely justified by His grace. And that, that grace is accessible within the scope of the redemption that is available only in Christ Jesus. So, you cannot jump this level and go to other encounters. They are important, but they must happen in this order. An encounter with Jesus, the Son of the living God. Then after that, the second encounter is an encounter with the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because if all you have is just your salvation is important, is a total package. It has within it everything that is needed for your existence on earth and give you a space in eternity with God. But if that is all you have, you are going to be limited. Jesus himself speaking, he said, I still have many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them. It is my intention to deliver them. But I am leaving the responsibility of giving you access to all truth to another agency, Allos Paracletus, another of the same kind, the Holy Spirit. So that means that if I camp around just my salvation in Jesus, I will not be able to access the other things that Jesus was not able to communicate because they couldn't bear them. So, the next encounter is encounter with the person 
and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then the third level of encounter or the third dimension of encounter is an encounter with the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom. I would have just said an encounter with the word but I'm using the word mystery and secrets carefully. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11. You know, before that time, Peter and the other disciples came and said, why do you speak to them in parable? And then he said, because to you, it has been given. It has been given to know, to understand, to comprehend the mysteries of the kingdom. That means that the mysteries of the kingdom cannot be studied. <laughs> the mysteries of the kingdom cannot be read. Jesus said, it has been given to you. Because the people that he was speaking to in parable, they were people that were called scribes. Scribes are people who were authorities in the Torah. Ezra was a scribe. That was why he was able to write the many parts of the Old Testament that he wrote. But Jesus is saying that you can be a scribe by graduating from a school. You can be a Pharisee by going through a Jewish theological system and then they endorse that you have learned this but that system does not have within itself the capacity to make you understand mysteries he said mysteries are given and he said we the father in his own wisdom has decided to do a divine favoritism he said to you is being given unlearned men he said he's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom he said, but to them is not given. And here their state, he said that in seeing they will not see. In hearing they will not hear. And they will not understand lest they believe and be converted. So that means that there is something that your seeing, your hearing and your understanding does to your change of mind. And it is when you change your mind that your life will change. So Jesus said, these people, they don't have a hope of their life being changed because the mysteries that can make their life change, the gateway to getting them has not been given to them. So when you come into Christ and you have come through Jesus and have met the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is the level of mysteries that begin to be committed to you because he is the custodian of the secrets of God. The Bible says that no man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of that man. So in the same way, because the Holy Spirit is in your life, the things that used to be mysteries to you no longer are mysteries because the custodian of the mystery is now living inside you. Encounter with the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The fourth level of encounter. Now the church has done well with these three levels of encounter. We talk so much about Jesus we talk so much about the Holy Spirit. We are doing well about that. We even talk so much about the mysteries. But the limitation of the body of Christ currently, the limitation of the church currently, is because we have not understood the fourth level of encounter which I'm about to talk about. Which is an encounter with the body of Christ. You can know mysteries. You can know secrets. But if you have not met the body, you will be limited. An encounter with the body of Christ. In the book of Revelations 22, the very last book of the Bible, verse 17, John said, the spirit and the bride tells the word, tell the word, come. 
That means that if the spirit alone, although God tell the word to come, the word will not come. If the bride alone tell the word to come, the word will not come. So it is as far as the agenda of God on earth is concerned. It is a partnership of the spirit first with the bride that can tell the word to come. So if there is a possibility in God that we want to make material on the earth, it will take the Holy Spirit partnering with the bride so that means that if I want a particular dimension of God in my life, I have met the Holy Spirit. I share a level of intimacy with Him. I know Him. He's my friend. If I ignore the bride, I can cry till tomorrow, notwithstanding the presence of the Holy Spirit. That reality will not happen. The Spirit and the bride says, come. Can you give us 1 Corinthians 12, 13? Let's establish this. The spirit and the bride. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 13. Watch what Paul is saying here. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into what? So that means when I came into Christ, I didn't just get born again ready to go to heaven. Paul says that is a baptism. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, an immersion. He said by the spirit. That means that one of the things, in fact, the primary thing the Holy Spirit does when he comes into the life of a person is to immerse the person into the body. He said, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. And he said, it doesn't matter where you come from. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into, into one spirit. Encounter with the body of Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Let's look at the formation of the body. Because this is where a lot of people miss this. Now we take this kind of scriptures and some other things I'm going to share shortly. And then we believe that all of us, we have the same salvation from Christ. We have equal level of relationship with God and things like that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> Our salvation is equal. But when it comes to the agenda of God, it's not the same. No. No. Never lie to yourself that all men are equal. All men are not equal. We are baptized into the same body. Let's look at the formation of the body of Christ. The word formation is a very interesting word. You hear it amongst the military when they are going to war, they call it a formation, the strategy, the posture they should take. Who should pass where? Who should do what? So that the victory can be won. So there is an exact way the body was designed to function. If the body must be able to bring into experience the fullness of the things that Jesus died to make available to us, there is an exact formation. And that formation, it was Jesus himself that began to teach us. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20. Verse 20, 26, 20. We'll read verse 20 and then we'll go to verse 26. Are we there? Now, when the even was come, he sat down with how many people? Were these the only people Jesus had at that time? There were 70. 
there was 120 isn't it but when this meeting was going to hold it was not a meeting with the 70 it was not a meeting with the 120 although they are his disciples bible says he sat down with the 12 he isolated every other person and called the 12 to an assembly and then in verse 26 he did something and as they were eating jesus took bread somebody say bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples the 12 and said you are seeing bread but i'm giving you the body <laughs> stay in verse 26 he said take eat this is my body take eat this what you are seeing in your hand that looks like what they baked is my body he broke it into 12 that means that each of them was committed a dimension of the body that should be his contribution to the overall victory of that body so that means that no matter how they rise in revelation their completeness is dependent on their interrelationship so Peter can grow to the peak of his revelation but it's just one twelfth but that is not even where I am he said this is my body committed to twelve no other person was in that place isn't it Peter is no longer on earth John is no longer on earth Bartholomew is no longer on earth James the son of Alphaeus is no longer on earth so who then is the custodian of this bread is it possible because Joshua Selman was not at that upper room <laughs> Benihin was not there Yongitro was not there David Oyedekpa was not there but Jesus did not keep a spare bread that others who are going to come should come and eat this one he gave the whole bread to the twelve that means there was nothing left for another person to take so that means that everybody on earth now can be traced to one of the twelve how then can I say I am equal with Peter <laughs> so that means when you look at the life of Joshua Selman and you trace it far enough you may find him in John <laughs> you will trace him far enough because this was the emblem of intimacy Bible says the disciples that put his head upon the chest of Jesus is it possible that that is the reason why no matter what apostle is preaching he goes back to intimacy with the Holy Spirit In John chapter 15, we are still introducing, just hold on small. In John chapter 15 and verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine. That means there is a false one. That means I'm not the only vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the husband man. Verse 5, he said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He was still talking to the twelve. This was the eve of his crucifixion. I am the vine ye are the branches let's look at the the way a tree looks for example you see the stem of the tree right and then you see branches that proceed from the stem 
and from that branch other branches proceed from that other branch other branches proceed so that means that the 12 were the immediate offshoots from the vine but every other person in different succession proceeded out of them this was Jesus talking the formation of the body You know, when we read John 15, they said, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches that is talking to all of us. Really? No. He was talking to 12 people. We are branches of Jesus, but we are branches of Jesus through other branches closer to Jesus than us. <laughs> you will be blessed tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's work something. Very popular scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, we walk it from verse 3 to 7, and then we jump to verse 11. Verse 11 is the very popular part of scripture, right? And he gave some apostles, some prophets, right? And the likes. But let's go back a little. Go back to verse 1. Let's take it from verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called walk worthy of the responsibility whereunto you have been called verse 2 with all lowliness no argument no confusion no fight and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace verse 4 now, watch this carefully. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One body. All of us are called into one body, not two. So, with respect to the body we have been called into, there is no superiority. With respect to the spirit that we received, no superiority. With respect to the hope of our calling, no superiority. But go to verse 5. One Lord. So, my Lord, Benihin's Lord, Joshua Selman's Lord, is the same Lord. <laughs> one faith. One baptism. Verse 6. One God. And father of all who is above all and through all and in you all that is the end of equality verse 7 he said notwithstanding the fact that we share all of this in common he said but somebody say but but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ we share everything the hope of our calling is the same the faith is the same the baptism is the same the Lord is the same the spirit is the same but when it comes to the distribution of grace it's not the same can you give us verse 7 in the Amplified verse 7 in the Amplified is it possible yet notwithstanding the oneness of the other parameters yet grace God's unmerited favor was given to each of us individually. Read what is in the bracket. 
Not indiscriminately. That means that when he was given the grace, he said, Sam, this is your own. Kenny, this is your own. Dan, this is your own. That means that what each and every one of them received is not the same. And the Bible says that it's according to the measure, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gifts. So he distributed grace, although we are baptized into one body. Verse 11 now tells us the grace. Because verse 8, he began to explain, he that ascended is the one that descended. Verse 11 now, he said, unto some he gave apostles, to some prophets, to some Gave us verse 11 in the King James. We are still introducing. <laughs> in the Amplified, sorry. Oh, Jesus. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us. <laughs> and gave men to us, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists some pastors and teachers his gifts were varied so paul is teaching us a very powerful lesson that we are one in christ but grace has separated us and that separation of grace is something that jesus himself did by his own wisdom so that means that the first step to benefiting from the ministry of the body is recognizing this truth. So if you fight this, you will never be blessed by the body. Do you now agree that we are not equal? The spirit and the bride says, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. The formation of the body. Because it is the lack of understanding of this, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, for this cause, Many are weak, many are sick, many sleep, not discerning the lost body. For this cause, arguing with this alone, he tells us that the consequence is weakness, the consequence is sickness, the consequence that sleep means death. For this cause, for this reason, many, many, many. Jesus, help us tonight. Help us tonight. You're changing everything in obedience to Christ. How can you walk when you don't know the way of the wind? How can you run when you don't know the way of the Spirit? taking of the grace we have seen the formation of the body, we have seen that the transparency, remember that grace is realities available made available by God through Christ, and then we have seen that the transference of this possibility follows an organogram which is the system, the formation of the body so how then can I receive from the body how can I partake of the grace 
I'm going to begin sharing with us four keys. Personal keys that God has taught me. And I believe that if you get these keys, I promised you earlier, it, your life will change like day and night. These keys are my testimonies. Four keys. Number one, discernment. <laughs> number one, key number one, discernment. Discernment talks about recognition. Discernment talks about ability to see beyond the surface. That I can see some now and it doesn't have to be written on his forehead what kind of anointing he carries. But that I sustain an ability, a maturity in the spirit that although I'm not seeing some wearing suit and putting on tie, but I can discern, I can perceive that there is an anointing in this brother that can be a blessing to me. Discernment. Second Kings chapter 4. Very popular story of the woman we call the Shunammite woman. And then most times when we talk about the Shunammite woman, we talk about her giving, her benevolence, her ministry to the prophet, but something informed it. Second Kings chapter 4 from verse 5. From verse 8, sorry. Verse 8. And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread and so it was that as oft as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread verse 9 and she said unto her husband behold now I perceive I perceive I can discern for her to use the word perceive that means it was not obvious I perceive that this is an holy man of God. In other words, her constraining Elisha to eat was not peculiar to Elisha. The woman probably was very good at being hospitable to people. And then she did this the first time, did it the second time and said, no, this one is not like any other person that we have shown hospitality. My husband, I perceive that this is an holy man of God. A version says this is a special prophet. I perceive that this is a special prophet. And then because of that, she pleaded with her husband and they built a house, a guest house, specifically for Elisha. And then the Bible says that one day Elisha came to that place and as he was sitting there, Elisha did not say, God told me to do something for this woman. He said, no. It is packaged within my office to change the story of this woman. Gehazi, come. Call the Shunammite woman. And when the Shunammite woman came, Elisha said, what shall I do for you? In other words, name anything. If you want to overthrow Ahab, my anointing can make it happen. What shall I do for you? Should I speak to the king? I've been wondering, was Elisha planning to go to the palace to speak for the, to the king? Or there was a way Elisha could speak from that room and the king will be compelled to move in a particular direction without knowing what is pushing him. The woman said, no. I hope you know that before Elisha said, should I speak to the king? He has seen that there is a need for favor from the king for the woman but the woman because that need had not been obvious at that time she said no i live in the midst of my people and then elisha said no 
have to do something. Gehazi, what can we do for this man? Gehazi said, all the times we have been coming here, I've never seen a child. And her husband is old. In other words, it is biologically impossible. Elisha said, Gehazi, sit down, Joe. You were not there when I received the mantle. He said, call the Shunammite woman. By this time next year, according to the time of life, you shall carry your son. And the woman said, don't lie to me. He said, I don't need your face to get this done. This one is the office of a prophet. How can a man be this confident? And then, according to the word of Elijah, Elisha, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Bible says it came to pass on a particular day. Witches and wizards from wherever came. And the boy was with his father on the farm. The heir to their resources. And then he said, my head, my head. And the man said, send him to his mother. And the Bible said, at exactly 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Not 11.59. Not 12.01. The pestilence that wastes at noonday. The boy fell down and died. And the woman said, I know how he came. Leave the boy on the bed. Give me a servant. I'm going to see Elisha. And then she wrote. Elisha said, wow, this woman is troubled and the Lord hid it from me. And when the woman spoke, Elisha sent Gehazi, nothing happened. Elisha said, no, this one is serious. I will go myself. Now the woman's son came back to life. Miracle number two. As if that was not enough. In 2 Kings chapter 8, you know in chapter 7 there was a famine, right? Chapter 6, there was a famine that Elisha said by this time next year in chapter 7. But the Bible said in chapter 8 verse 1 when you read in the NIV that Elisha had told the woman that a famine will come. And the famine will last for seven years. The king did not have this information. It is only Elisha and this woman that knew that there will be a famine. And Elisha told the woman, just find somewhere and stay until the famine be over. And the Bible said that after the famine, the woman came back. But by the time the woman came back, remember, Elisha said, should I speak to the king? Because you are going to need the king. When the woman came back, her land, her properties were already taken possession by somebody else. And the woman went to the king to go and beg. But as the woman came there, the Bible says that Gehazi was sitting with the king and was telling the king the story of the woman and her son that was raised from the dead. And then the moment the woman came, Gehazi said, this is the woman whose son Elisha raised from the dead. Read verse 6 for me. Of, um, give me verse 6 of 2 Kings chapter 8. The king asked the woman about it. And she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case. And said to him, give back everything that belonged to her. Including all the income from her land. From the day she left the country until now, should I speak to the king for you? The woman rejected it, but the word of the prophet cannot go back. <laughs> Discernment. 
discernment. How about Lot? Bible says God asked Abraham to leave his country and travel somewhere to a land he will show him. Bible says Lot went with him. And suddenly Lot began to prosper. But Lot lacked discernment. The Bible says a time came that Lot hurt men and Abraham's hurt men. The same hurt that he got on account of Abraham. He is fighting with Abraham. And Abraham, his uncle, is telling him, Lot, choose. Do you choose before an elder? Choose. And Lot said, hey, hey, hey. The Bible says he chose Sodom. The very next chapter was when Sodom was born. Sodom was not born because they were sinful. Sodom was born because God had to kill the last installment of the blessings Lot got from Abraham. That was why God said, don't take anything, don't look back. It was a beast between God and Lot. How dare you despise the channel that brought the blessing to you? It's a dangerous thing to receive a blessing and not know which anointing brought it. Which anointing brought it? Discernment. I like the example of Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Bible says Solomon offered a thousand bond offering. And then God asked him, ask me anything. And Solomon, instead of asking, he suddenly discerned. God does not have any covenant with me. He has a covenant with David. So if I can make God see that I am an offshoot of David, whatever he had with David will find expression in me. Because there are certain things God spoke, not concerning Solomon, but concerning the seed of David. So that means whoever qualifies to be the seed of David qualifies to receive what God promised that seed. So I am going to begin by telling God I recognize that there is a special place David has. And the Bible says the speech, not what he asked, the speech pleased the Lord. Discernment is very important. That's number one. Number two, no time I'll be rushing through these things, but I'm praying that we understand. Number two, genuine intentional connection to the grace not passive connection intentional genuine intentional connection to the grace write down these three words let's clear some of this confusion once and for all write down these three words father, mentor, pastor Father, mentor, pastor. Are they the same? We use them interchangeably most times. For many of us, this is the missing link. Father, mentor, pastor. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, for though ye have 10,000 instructors, the word instructor there is the word mentor, teacher, tutor, schoolmaster. You may have 10,000 instructors, and he said, All of them are in Christ, all of them are teaching you the mysteries of Christ. They are not liars, they are in Christ, anointed, graced. He said, But you do not have many fathers 
For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. The word begotten is a very interesting Greek word that means to regenerate. You can see regen, G-E-N-E. I have regenerated you. That means you were something by reason of my ministering the gospel to you. Something happened to you that reconfigured your gene so that the possibilities that come from you are not the natural possibilities anymore. He said, I am a father because I begot you. He said, you have many instructors. Now watch this. Some of us have put our two hands on father. While others have put their two hands on mentor. I want to clear something this night. A father is not a pastor. A father can occupy the office of a pastor and can pastor you. But a pastor, because he's pastoring you, does not mean he's your father. Because pastor is the word shepherd. And the word shepherd is an agric word. Full animal. Animal husbandry. Do you call the full animal the father of the cows? <laughs> His assignment is to tend for the cow. He loves them. No matter how close the full animal is to the cows, they don't have his DNA. Coincidentally, the biological children of the full animal may not even receive the care that the cows are receiving. You see that? But whether they receive the care or not, they have his DNA. Now, this is where many of us miss it. You are a son to a man of God. And for many of us, we glory in that Apostle Joshua Selman, my father. Until a father becomes a mentor, you cannot become like him. The gene only gives you a potential of becoming his result. But his mentorship takes you through a tutelage that teaches you the principle. A mentor is a role model. A mentor is a standard. A mentor is one you are willing to submit your mind to so that you can learn of him and become like him. So it is one thing to be begotten by a father. It's another thing to subject yourself to the principles of that father. Because when you were born, you were born with his gene. You were not born with his mindset. His gene potentially carried the ability to produce that result. His mindset experientially made the result happen. So we have a lot of people following fathers but have not subjected themselves to the mentorship of that father. Genuine connection. I'm not going to touch that so much. Maybe you can listen to my teaching, Spiritual Tribe and Fatherhood. I think we talked extensively on that so that we can touch the major things. So, your connection must be defined. The scripture passage me loves so much. Luke chapter 6, verse 40 that a disciple is not greater than his master when he is perfect when he has exhausted the curriculum he will become like his master so until a son goes through the school of his father as a mentor he can have the name that he's my father but he will never have the results so another person 
who is not as it were a spiritual son can be in Lagos somewhere and hear about Koinonia and begin to follow, begin to pay attention to the teachings, begin to pay attention to the principles and he's coming here to testify while the sons are clapping without results. Genuine connection. <sighs> Number three. The first key is discernment, right? Second is genuine connection, genuine intentional connection to the grace. Number three. Before I take number three, you know, I learned so much about sonship and fatherhood from Bishop David Abui. One day I was listening to him and he said, you take opinion from friends, but you take instruction from fathers. Now, it doesn't mean that when you want opinion, you go to friends. When you want instruction, you go to father. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that if promise is my friend and Kenny is my father, and then I am thinking of where should I settle? Should I settle in Zaria or go to Kafanchan? And then promise my friend says go to Kafanchan. Kenny, my father, says go to Kafanchan. Both of them said the same thing. Promise gave an opinion. Kenny gave an instruction. Both of them said the same thing. But one is an opinion. The other is an instruction. The difference is who said it. <laughs> so I can choose to take the opinion or not. But an instruction must. Must. Number three. We'll talk about that better here. Honor the career of the grace that you desire. We're talking about partaking from the grace. You have discerned, you have connected. The next thing is to honor. Honor. Brothers and sisters, honor can be seen. Honor is tangible. Honor is active. It is not passive. Honor is active. It is not passive. Honor can be seen. Honor is tangible. Honor can be received. Honor can be transferred. Honor is not something you assume. I know you honor me. I can see it. He didn't say honor the Lord. He said honor the Lord with. Honor the Lord with. Honor the career. Five ways we can communicate honor. Five ways we can communicate honor. Let's deal with this honor thing. The first way to communicate honor is not seed. The first way to communicate honor is not envelope. The first way to communicate honor is holding him in high esteem. Holding him in high esteem. That's not all. Alongside the willingness to defend and protect what he represents to the body of Christ. <laughs> Holding him in high esteem holding him in high esteem alongside the willingness to defend and protect what he represents to the body of Christ I didn't say what he represents to you what he represents remember we discerned what he represents to the body of Christ 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 6 Give me the new King James Solomon again I love Solomon so much 
Bible calls him the wisest man before Christ. So it's important to study Solomon. Look at this. This was when Solomon was speaking to God. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father. Because, please help me read from that because. Let's read together. I want to go. He walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. Is it true? How about Bathsheba? What about Uriah? Is that righteousness? Solomon seemed to be lying here. <laughs> ah. David saw a woman, 2 Samuel chapter 11, called the woman, slept to the woman. He committed adultery that is spelled out in the Ten Commandments, black and white. And Solomon said, David, my father, never sinned. David, my father, never did anything wrong. He said, he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart. How about when he numbered the people and God was angry? Solomon is truly a wise man. Now, if Solomon has said, except for the adultery, he would have disqualified himself from sitting on the throne. Because the mistake of David was what produced him. So, his ability to sanctify and justify David is what gives validity to his throne. So, and when he said that, God did not say you are lying. Because in heaven, listen brothers and sisters, let's get this once and for all. This anointings we are talking about is older than the vessel. There was David the man carrying David the system. <laughs> so, David the man committed adultery. David the system is blameless. Because David was not the name of the son of Jesse. David is the name of the Christ. Beloved of the father. So because David was going to be an adumbration. According to the prophecy in Genesis 49. He said that unto thee shall the gathering of your people be Judah. Until Shiloh comes. Isn't it? And then that Shiloh was going to be the Christ. But before the Christ there must be an earthly king. That Isaiah prophesied that he will sit upon the throne of his father David. And in Revelation 22:16, he said, I am the root and the offspring. In other words, I produced David and I came out of David. So David is not, an, he's not a mortal man. David the mortal man died and was buried When you look at Jeremiah chapter 30 He said and it shall come to pass They shall serve the Lord their God And David their king Because the prophet saw the beloved And he didn't know Because Jesus has not been revealed So the closest person on earth That looks like the beloved was David So Solomon is saying Lord I'm talking to you About David the system Not David the man and God said, since you recognize David the system, I will give you what I covenanted with David the system. And part of my covenant with David the system is that he will have continuous victory over his enemies. One, he will have wealth and riches. Two, his throne shall be established. 
free, I will give him peace. Four. A lot of us are in a hurry to talk about this man of God did this. This man of God did this. This man of God did that. You know, I've been disturbed for a long time about the thorn in the flesh of Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians. He said, because of the revelation that was given to me, it was given me a thorn in my flesh. The messenger of Satan, lest I be puffed up. That means that that thorn in the flesh was a, a, was a fighter against the revelation, right? So that means every time he wants to think about the greatness of his revelation, there is something that thorn does to him that makes him unable to boast about that revelation. That means that revelation cannot be sickness. As many preachers told us, that revelation cannot be his imprisonment. As many preachers told us. So I was concerned for a long time looking for what it was. Until I discovered the Holy Spirit showed me. In the book of Acts chapter 7, the Bible says that Stephen was speaking to the Sahindrin and then a point came that Stephen um, said, they, I see the heavens open and then the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God and they said blasphemy. Now watch this. When they said blasphemy and they tore their clothes, they didn't start stoning him. Read your Bible. They didn't start stoning him because you cannot stone a man until a jury sentences that man to death so although what the man did is deserving of death you need somebody who is a jury to sentence that man to death lawyers am i communicating isn't it and Saul of tassos a fresh graduate of law was present and the bible says saul consenting to his death in other words, Saul was the person who gave the final approval that Stephen deserved to die. And then, when he gave the approval, they removed their clothes and put at his feet and killed Stephen, isn't it? Now, if you read the book, the Acts of the Apostles, you read the writings of Peter and others, there was none of the apostles that spoke about Christ from a revelatory point of view. Peter spoke about him. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty when he was transfigured before us. But there is a more sure word of prophecy, right? John said the things which we have heard, the things which we have seen, the things which we have looked upon, the things which we have handled. That means that we proved these things. Even the book of Revelation was a panoramic vision he saw. The only person before Paul that spoke about Christ from a revelatory point of view was Stephen. He was the one who traced Christ to Adam. So that means that the anointing that Paul was going to walk in later, Stephen was the progenitor of that anointing. So the person Paul sentenced to death was at, as it were his spiritual father so every time he was walking in that anointing and then he wants to glory how that he brought certain mysteries satan remember he said he's a messenger of satan the voice of condemnation he said but you killed stephen and then he said i prayed to god three times don't make me remember i did this in the days of my ignorance and god said i'm going to leave it there so that when you think about this you will appreciate my grace that saved you my grace is sufficient for you many of us have killed with our mouth we kill people 
simply because you do not have a connection with them now does not mean who knows whether the person you are criticizing is the next person on your ladder oh no oh no Solomon said David did not sin and God said correct I and my wife we had an agreement long ago that Joshua Selman can never be wrong I've been criticized for it if he's wrong I'm not God I didn't call him I'm not his judge he can never be <laughs> yeah he can't he can never what did I say Joshua Selman, my father, can never be wrong. Does it mean I talk about others? No. What I don't understand, I don't criticize. Who have you killed? Holding in high esteem. That's number one, right? Number The second way to communicate honor is serving genuinely. Service. I think I'll dwell here a little. Our time is far gone. But let's see how we can run. Service. In the book of, I think, Second Chronicles chapter 25, the Bible spoke of a certain king called Amaziah, right? And the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So I can serve doing the right things, doing, participating in the worship team, or working in any department and the Bible says that everything can be correct and it will not be from a perfect heart. There is a man whose story has not ceased to surprise me. His name is Joab. Joab was one of the 400 men that came to David in the cave of Adullam. Joab is one of the, in fact, in the book of First Chronicles chapter 11, the Bible says that when the entire Israel made David king, that David said, whoever conquers Jerusalem will be the captain of the host. Verse 6 of First Chronicles 11. And the Bible says, Joab conquered Jerusalem and he became the captain. He became the commander of David's army. But do you know that when Second Samuel 23 was given the chronicles of the mighty men of David, when First Chronicles was given the chronicles of the mighty men of David, Joab the commander, his name was omitted. If it was a mistake in Samuel, it should have been corrected in Chronicles. The Holy Spirit deleted Joab's name. His younger brothers, Asahel and Abishai, their names were mentioned. The worst part is his armor bearer. His name was mentioned, but Joab, no. <laughs> Joab, no. How can the man who led all the wars of David not be listed among the mighty men of David? I will show you shortly. Because... Joab was using David. He was not serving David. Joab was using David. And the Holy Spirit was watching. Almost every instruction that David gave, he only obeyed the one that favored what he was looking for. Anyone that was against his personal desire, he violated. I gave you an example. The Bible said that David became king in Hebron, right? David became king in Hebron. And then Abner, 
came and there was a game between Abner. Abner was the captain of Saul's army and uh, Joab. But after the whole game, Asahel, the younger brother of Joab, started chasing Abner to kill Abner. Imagine a a lieutenant in the army chasing a general and then as he was chasing he was following after him Abner said Asahel turn back follow any of the men that are your equal leave me I don't want to kill you I've been a veteran of war for a long time I was with Saul when he died I didn't die leave me I don't want to kill you what will I tell Joab your brother but Asahel wanted to make a name and the Bible says casually Abner just struck him and he died now it was told Joab that Asahel had died but after the whole thing Abner came to David and said we have been fighting this battle for too long but we can't fight any longer it is the will of God for you to be king over the entire Israel so I've surrendered the whole Israel will come to you and then when Joab came back and they told Joab that Abner was here Joab came to David and said what have you done? imagine your boss just imagine me now looking at the apostle why did you <laughs> I want to die he just came and said why did you do this? don't you know that Abner came to spy? he was making it look like he was defending the interest of David but he had a vendetta against Abner and the Bible says Joab left there and followed after Abner called Abner and because Abner was unsuspecting he killed Abner look at what David said in 2nd Samuel chapter 3 we read verse 29 and 39 look at David's statement maybe let's read verse 39 because of time 2nd Samuel chapter 3 verse 39 okay let's read verse 29 go back to verse 29 David said many things let it rest on the head of Joab that is the, the guilt of killing Abner and on his father's house this was David's command, commander is talking about and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has one discharge, a discharge or is a leper who leans on the staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread this is what David is saying about this lieutenant go to verse 39 And I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. They are too harsh. This is the king talking. A version says they are beyond my control. Do you know one other reason why Joab killed Abner? He suspected that David was going to replace him he did the same thing to Amasa when he saw that David was thinking of replacing Amasa, he killed Amasa when Absalom go to chapter 18 of 2nd Samuel verse 5, when Absalom rebelled against David, in verse 5 of chapter 18, 2nd Samuel the Bible says that David gave a charge to Joab to Abishai and to Itai, the three captains of the host, and said deal carefully with the young man Absalom, right? And the Bible says he gave the charge in the presence of all the people. But look at verse 10. Absalom was trying to run away. Then he got stuck in an oak tree. Verse 10. 
Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebin tree. Yes, verse 11. So Joab said to the man who told him, you just saw him and why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a belt. Hold on. Why was Joab saying this? Because Absalom was calling Joab so that he can send Joab to the king because the king refused to see him for two, uh, two years. And because Joab refused to come, Absalom's men set Joab's farm on fire. So it was an opportunity for revenge. It looked like it was David he was defending, but he had the beef with Absalom. Okay. Look at, so I would have given you 10 shekels and all of that. Verse 12, hear the response of that guy. But the man said to Joab, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I will not raise my hand against the king's son. Why? For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai, and it I saying, Beware, lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. The next verse, the Bible says that Joab carried some javelins, threw it at him, and ten of his men came and slew the young man. He always went against the instruction. Do you now see why the Holy Spirit said he is not qualified to be listed? Eternally erased. All his years, 40 years of running with David wasted because although he served, the shocking part was in 1 Kings chapter 2 when David was about to die. David told Solomon that Solomon should ensure that Abner does not reach his grave in good old age. How can a man 2 Kings chapter 2 from verse 5. He said, ensure that his gray hair does not reach the grave. Kill him. Serving genuinely. Let me ask you a question. Are you serving the grace or you are using the grace? Is there another thing you are achieving and you believe that leveraging upon the grace that you claim to submit to will make you reach it faster or genuinely from the depth of your heart you are holding up the hands of the man of God to ensure that this assignment is complete serving genuinely for Jesus Amen third way to communicate honor I'll just run through these ones absolute submission very important absolute submission and the willingness to obey any and every instruction. I've explained it before, but let's write it for the purpose of emphasis. Absolute submission and the willingness to obey any and every instruction. You don't argue with your father. You don't argue. See, God will not punish you for obeying your father. He will punish your father for misleading you. If apostle tells me I want to go to where maybe I want to go to overflow too, and apostle tells me that this is the road, okay? Because I obeyed him, the mercy of God will carry the road and put it here so that I can pass and get to overflow too. But when that is done, he's going to summon apostle. Was that the road? I've gotten my results, but he's facing the question. So it's none of my duty 
My assignment is to vet that this man supervising my growth has a connection with the Christ and also has that willingness to obey every instruction given to him by Christ. Hebrews 11 verse 17. He said, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. For the watch for your souls as they that must give account. Let them do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So when they report to God with grief, I've been talking to Sam. Sam is not listening. The Bible says it's unprofitable for you. It communicates honor because of quality. You are bringing a seat to a person and you are squeezing into his hand as if he's a policeman collecting uh, 20 naira on the road. That's not honor. As if you are bribing him. No. If you want to give seat, be intentional about it from your house. Get an envelope. Package it neatly. Even if it's 100 naira. Package it neatly. The honor is what brings the result, not the quantity. Look at what God said in Malachi 1 verse 6. He said, A son honored the father, a servant his master. If I be your honor, where if I be your father, where is my honor? If I be your master, where is my fear? And he was not saying that because the people were not giving. He said, You bring the blind for offering. Give it to your governor. Will he respect your person? God is saying that you bring, but the quality is questionable. Quality. Number five, the fifth way to communicate honor, develop a system that constantly reminds you of the first thing that attracted you to that grace. Develop a system that constantly reminds you of the first thing that attracted you to the grace. Because the closer you get, the more you are exposed to the humanity of the career of the grace. You will suddenly know for some of us that came from far, when you heard about Joshua Selman, you think he's not a human being, he's a God. But there is a way you can become so close that you may forget what attracted you. So you must develop a system by yourself that will constantly define the boundary. No matter how close you get, you remind yourself that the less is blessed of the better. And consistently tell yourself, I am the lesser, he is the better. Don't assume it because you'll be surprised. <laughs> you will be surprised. That's the fifth way. And it's just number three we discussed. Number four now so that we pray. The five things we discussed now are ways of communicating honor. But that is the third key to connecting, to partaking of grace. So the last key to partaking of grace now then we'll pray. Jesus help us. Help us. Help us so that our life will not just be a mirage compared to the grace we claim to submit to. Jesus told them, if ye be sons of Abraham, do the works, produce the results of Abraham. Those guys were Jews. They descended from Abraham biologically. But Jesus is saying that all you have to show for your descent from Abraham is just the lineage. You don't have the results. And the results only come when you understand these things. If ye be sons of Abraham, produce the results. Herein shall the Father be glorified that you produce much results. Apostles' life is not barren of results. Probably any grace you are submitting to anywhere may not be barren of results, but are you producing that result? 
Amen. The last key, the last key, tenacious pursuit of the grace. Ah. Tenacious pursuit of the grace. I hope you know that Elisha was not the first servant of Elijah. Elisha was not there at Mount Carmel when Elijah brought fire. In fact, the only miracle Elijah did that Elisha saw was when he called fire to kill the soldiers that wanted to arrest him. Which was about the last. The servant that went to check the cloud rising from the river, from the sea, was not Elisha. The servant that was with him in all his exploits. I don't know how many years Elijah was a prophet. We don't know his name. First Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Bible says that Jezebel sent a message to Elijah and said that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And then Elijah ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And left his servant there. That means it has always been the character of Elijah to dissuade his followers. He left his servant there. He said, servant, stay here. And someone said, yes, sir. And stayed. And that was the end of his life. <laughs> the end of his life. But not Elisha. Ah. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 1. And the Bible says they were gone to Gilgal. And it came to pass that the Lord... Do you know that after this verse 3 of 1 Kings 19, the moment Elijah left the servant, he went a little and then he sat under a juniper tree, right? And then an angel brought food for him. Brought food again. From that place, Elijah went to Horeb, the mount of God. So the servant would have followed Elijah to Horeb, the mount of God. It was at Horeb that God said, anoint Azael, king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, king over Samaria. Anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, as a prophet in your place. What about the servant that was left? Probably, even if God didn't want the servants to get something, his presence there would have compelled God. This guy has followed too much. Let me not leave him like that. But stay here, he stayed. Me? I will not stay. No. I will not stay. I will not stay. This is why I can be walking in Joss and live in Zaria. Yes, it's worth it. Yes. I've made the covenant with myself that every grace available in apostles' life, I will walk in them. It's only a function of time. Yeah. He said, do to the sons as you did to the father. It is God's intention. I can't be a shadow of him. No. No. There's a possibility that came through Christ. From Christ through him. And it's not supposed to stop with him. He's supposed to get to his sons. And the sons will pass it down to other sons. That's how God designed it. I can't rob the next generation of this grace because of my disalignment. No. I'm not paying the price for myself alone. I'm paying for as many that God will connect to my grace. Why should I rob them? What explanation am I going to give them? Look at Elisha. In chapter 2 of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, verse 1, it says, Stay here. 
the Lord has asked me to go to Bethel. Elisha said, my name is not that servant. Surely as the Lord liveth, I will not leave you. Let's go. Whatever it is, if there's no room, I'll sleep outside. Then they came to Bethel. Now, Elisha was not the only person that knew Elijah was going. The sons of the prophet in Bethel, they said, ha ha ha, Elisha, do you know the Lord is going to take your master from your head today? He said, I know, hold your peace. And then Elijah said, the Lord has asked me to go to Jericho. Stay here. He said, no. Surely, as the Lord liveth, I will not leave you. I will go with you. Then they went to Jericho. In Jericho, stay here. The Lord has asked me to go to Jordan. He said, no way, we are going. And then they came to Jordan. Bible says, Elijah parted the Jordan. And the moment they crossed, he said, you have passed the test. You are not the first person who wrote this test. A servant wrote it before and failed. I put you through the same test. You didn't fail. Now that you have passed, it's time for me to give you. I know what I should give you. But I want to know if you know what you want to receive. Ask me anything before I am taken away from you. And he said, I am not thinking about it now. I thought about it long ago. I'm not looking for your power. I'm not looking for miracles. I know that this body is only a house holding something. I want a double portion of your spirit. He didn't ask for a double portion of his power. He said the spirit, that ancient mystery, responsible for your result. I don't just want it, I want it times two. A double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, you have asked a very hard thing because it is my power I can impart it. <laughs> if it's my healing anointing, I can impart it. If it's the prophetic, I can impart it. But my spirit is not within my control. It's not within my control. It is God that can only determine who gets of my spirit? Because even me, I can't even explain how I got it. He said, but I show you a secret. If you can discern me, if you can discern me, because my spirit is to transfer from a father to a son, not a master to a servant. My spirit, my spirit is like a spiritual DNA. You don't transfer it to a mentee. You don't transfer it to a flock. You don't transfer it to a church member. You transfer it to a son. If you can discern me in that office, and the moment the chariot appeared, he said, I've seen you, not as my master, but my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. Elijah did not even answer because he was not talking to Elijah. And the Bible says that the mantle of Elijah fell down. And Elisha tore his own mantle and picked up this mantle. And then, on his way back, please help them. On his way back, the same Jordan that confronted Elijah, when they were coming, confronted Elisha. And Elisha thought that the anointing was in the mantle. So he struck the river. The river was looking at him. He said, where is now the God of Elijah? Because Elijah has gone I have stepped into his shoes. The same way you responded to Elijah, you should respond to me. And the Bible says, Jordan parted hither and thither. And Elijah walked through it. Tenacity. 
For many of you hearing my voice tonight, you have passed through all the processes. You have discerned. You have connected. You have honored. You have been tenacious. It's now for you to receive. Shaketokapa. Lift your voice and pray. Overflow two and three be ready. From this afternoon, I kept seeing mantles hovering over that overflow. Two and three mantles. Because the Lord told me that there will be such a visitation of the spirit of judgment distributing ancient mantles. Lift your voice and cry out. Just pray in tongues, there is no time. There were predicaments in Israel until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. Where are the Deborahs in this place? Where are the Deborahs? I call you by an apostolic voice. Arise! If you can see me, if you can discern me, Just lift your hands and cry out. This hand tonight, upon God's servant in this place, there is a strange apostolic mantle for miracles, signs, and wonders. Strange apostolic mantle for healing, creative dimension of the prophetic the mantle of favor is upon him the mantle of honor is upon him the wisdom of the ancient is upon him which one do you want if you can discern I am looking, I perceive 
that there is going to be an activation of strange prophetic dimensions in people because I'm seeing the eye of the eagle in the spirit and I'm hearing it flap its wings prophetic dimensions I activate prophetic dimensions bring them out from my right to my left let your eyes pop open let your ears pop open I activate your organs of perception comfort someone. This is the last push that you need. You have done every other thing. It's time for you to dive into that anointing. Many of you have experienced the ankle level. Many have experienced the knee level. Many have experienced the waist level. It's time for you to swim in that anointing. Apostolic dimensions. I activate apostolic dimensions. Do unto the souls as you did to the fathers. As I have received, I pass it on. Mystery. Let them receive the full dose. There is a pool in this place. 
there's a literal pool in this place it's like a fountain that I'm seeing springing forth it's like a fountain and this all having obtained a good report through faith receive not the promise verse 40 verse 40 God having provided some better thing for us that they without us they Elijah Elisha Jeremiah Paul Peter James Stephen they without us they without us we are the finishing touch of the things that we present. They without us should not be made perfect. Jean Dekesekesek. They without us. Hold on. They without us should not be made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 1. For this reason, because they need us to finish well for them to be made perfect they now became part of the cloud of witness so when Joshua Selman stands to minister Elijah cannot sit down because he is being perfected is dependent on Joshua Selman's doing well so when I stand to minister the host might have gone to be with the Lord but he cannot sit sit down he cannot sit down because they, without us, say we're for sin, we also. Brothers and sisters, you might be 25. You might be 35. You might even be 10 years old. But the mystery inside you is as old as God is. It's older than you. If you limit yourself by your age, you would have treated yourself. So, you standing here right now, the saints that represent the dimension that you are now walking in they are watching and are saying promise there is something that helped us to succeed we are passing it on to you it comes the mantle please help them so they don't enjoy themselves Lord whose mantle have you destined me to walk Our time is done. Lift your hands. There's someone at the back. What is it about this prophetic anointing? Around the side where ushers and peers stand, there is someone in that place. I'm seeing a sword in the spirit. And that sword is like it has been put in fire, red hot. And that sword is coming into that person's mouth. And it will do something to your throat and will change your utterance by the spirit. Where is that person? Bring the person out. Jean Deco Sikata. Bring them, bring them, bring them. For the Lord has given us the tongue of the learned. I'm seeing seven people in the spirit that you are going to feel like fire burning both of your ears like fire burning the two ears the Lord is about to hear open your ears to hear the utterance of the spirit who are there oh God I don't know who they are at the count of seven 
Recognize them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Take it. Shake it off the bracata. Take it. La bandeke. Sekoshikata. There is a lady. I don't know which, whether in the main auditorium or in the overflows, is not given me to know. But the Lord is telling me that the threefold anointing that were upon Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Semple McPherson, and Maria Woodward Ita, a combination of the three, is coming upon you. Shatekata. Receive it now. A combination of the three. Shaban Tekete. Sheteko Sikata. A combination of the three. A combination of the three. There is a lady in the one towards the front. Seat number one, two, three, four. To the left side. Shatan Teko Sikata. Take it now. Pralan Tekete. Zenteko Sikata. Of the apostolic 
and prophetic mantle upon this region. This is why the Ahabalists are powerful. Because they navigated through another means to activate this prophetic realities. But we are taking them back. We are taking them back. Prophets are rising from that region. Apostles are rising from that region. I'm seeing Anna the prophetess. Woman of intercession in the spirit. I'm seeing Anna the prophetess. The one that spread the birth of the Christ. That mantle is coming upon many people. Shaken Tokata. I'm seeing that up to 70 people are taking that mantle. Anna the prophetess. Let it rest upon you now. In the name of Jesus I'm rounding up now But just lift your hands wherever you are The Lord is asking me to release The spirit of revelation such as I have, I give unto you. I know how it came. I've taught you how it came. So it can be transferred. Don't think that everything you heard came from just studies. There is an exact anointing for revelation. It's at work in the life of my father and I have caught it. It's not humility to say I don't have it. Say so for a long time, Israel has been without God without a teaching priest and without law I'm about to call forth teaching priests men of mighty revelation not just men that know scriptures men with the spirit of revelation as it was upon Paul as it is upon Joshua Selman for a long time let the teaching priest arise. I call for the teaching priest. I call for the teaching priest. Arise. I sound the shofar in the spirit. Let the teaching priest hear the alarm and arise. Marketo Sekata. Shandekete. There is fire in this place. Fire of the please come. That young man is in his hand. Please come. Come. Yes, come. Shalabandekosukata. Where are you from? Eh? Ebony State. I'm seeing a crown upon your head. And I'm seeing that the Lord is giving you discernment. I'm seeing that there is an activation of the gift of the Spirit. This discernment is not the gift of discerning of spirits. It is a function of growth. But there is something, I don't know why the Lord is giving you. But the Lord is giving you that gift. That you may discern between good and evil. When I was explaining that discernment aspect, it was the greatest cry of your heart. And the Lord is asking me to release it to you. Are you ready to receive it? Take it now. Take it now. 
in the name of Jesus. Take it now. Yes. Take it. Take it. I'm seeing like an injection is coming upon your, le- your, your left shoulder. It's like an injection. It's passing from your shoulder gently down to your feet. It's like something hot, something cold. But there is discernment coming upon you. It's a crown upon your head, but there is an injection. What he says to one, he says to all. You can receive it for yourself. Take it now in the name of Jesus. There is no time. My assignment tonight is not necessarily to release what I have. My assignment is to show you what is obtainable that you might take on it. That's my duty. My duty. My duty. My duty. There are five members of the worship team because I'm seeing a connection with 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 13. Bible says, while the minstrel played, while the minstrel played, the word of the Lord came. I've been saying this again and again, that the Lord is restoring a combination of the worship stream and the prophetic anointing. It was only David that walked into it. We know him as the psalmist, but he was also a prophet. A combination of the prophetic and the worship street. They call them the tabernacle, the restorers of the tabernacle of David. I'm seeing like five members of the worship team is coming upon you. I release it now. It is upon our Father, so it should rest upon you. Take it now. Five of you, receive it now. The Lord is showing me someone in the main auditorium here that your eyes just got open and you saw an elderly man standing in front of you and instantly your spirit told you that this is Abraham. That person, there is a dimension of prosperity that is about to be given to you. I don't know who the person is. Jaqueto Sikata. He said, look unto Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. Alone I called him, and I increased him. Take it now. Jaqueto Sikata. Help them. The mantle for wealth and prosperity. Jean Dekete. Rakato Sikata. I'm seeing someone in overflow three and I'm hearing the name Deborah. It may not be your name, but the ancient apostolic mantle upon Deborah that made her a prophetess, a judge, a wife, and a mother. And she had a balanced life. I command it. Let that mantle rest upon you now. Receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Our time is fast spent. There's so much the Lord is doing. But I believe He's not going to stop here. Some of you, 
your sleep this night will be filled with strange encounters. Strange encounters. I'm seeing something very strange. As I just stood here, the Lord opened my eyes. A person is in Mubi, ministering in a crusade. But I perceive that the angel of his assignment is standing on this stage. Just lift your hands and remain silent. I'm not going to say anything. I don't have an instruction to pray. Just lift your hands and remain like that. He sent and signified by his angel. I'm seeing that angel moving from the extreme right. The extreme right. And he's going towards the back. He's going towards the back. He's going towards the back. And he's going this way. Yes. Mighty angel. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's unveiling which the Lord gave him to reveal unto his servant Joshua Selman. He sent and signified it by his angel. I'm seeing the angel of the Lord's presence. Utaji, Utaji, I'm seeing him standing in your front. And that anointing is resting upon you. Is a strange apostolic strength anointing. It's coming upon you. He's still standing there. Jandeko Sikatosha. Langato Sekatalakataya. I'm trying to stop. But I'm seeing him. Pastor Lawrence, I see him with a jar of oil. And he's standing in front of you. It's the same thing that he's doing to you that is happening to Pastor Jimmy's wife. It's a jar of oil. Pure as crystal. And he's still holding it. I'm still watching. And now, at the count of three, he will lower the jar of oil and pour it on your head. One, two, three. Jante Kosikapa. Shakampa. David Dam, the same thing is happening to you. The same thing is happening to you. Shakes, receive it. It's coming upon you. Shaketo, promise, take it. Like a prakato sekata. Hold them, lekete. Prakante kosikata. Jante kete. Jesus, we thank you. What shall I render to Jehovah? For he has done so very much for me. What shall I render to Jehovah? For he has done so very much for me. distribution is not just anointings. There are some of you that have been lashed by lack and poverty. 
yet you are a son to a man that is prosperous. Some of you have been buffeted with all manner of sicknesses, yet you are a son to a man that works in divine health. As we sing this song, whatever is in your life that cannot be found in the life of your father, with speed it will disappear from your life. For some of you, you will see them literally walking out of your body. Trusty Michael, can you help me please? Shakato Sakata. Lembreto Sikata. Sing it with all your might. Poverty leaves. Sickness leaves. Oppression in the night. They leave you. Failure. They leave. God, 
will hold your right hand saying unto you fear not I will help you I release that angel to help you beginning from this night even if you write only your name let it come out with an A lift your hands and give God thanks we have gone beyond our time Jesus we thank you blessed be your name Jesus my brothers my sisters this grace comes from God God can only be assessed through Christ if you are not in Christ you are excited for nothing it begins with Christ whether you are in the main auditorium you are in any of the overflows or you are following online and you have not encountered Jesus the son of the living God it begins from there make your way to me in the front here overflow 3 you can go to your projector stand but just make your way to me in the front here you have not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and you are saying pastor give me the opportunity and I will give my life to Christ Call the main auditorium in the overflows or online keep clapping there has to be someone giving his life to Christ we will wait for you I know a lot of people are still under the anointing Jesus will bless you keep clapping we will wait for you keep clapping they are coming doesn't matter how far you are come 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 my brother I congratulate you if you still want to join you can join still want to join you can join win the battle tonight don't let anything or anyone dissuade you amen my brother I congratulate you say after me say Lord Jesus tonight I surrender my life to you I declare that you are my Lord I receive you into my life I receive eternal life into my spirit thank you for saving me in Jesus name Congratulations. Amen. Hallelujah. Please, my brother, you can rise. I congratulate you. There's someone waving his hand. They will appraise you more warmly so that we can pray for you. We believe you are mightily blessed. To connect with the ministry and get more from Apostle Joshua Selman, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Koinonia ENI to stream Koinonia Live. Go to mixler.com and download the teachings on koinoniasermons.org. For questions and inquiries, call 0814-721-4444 or 0907-777-7853. We love and celebrate.